Here's a message from today's episode sponsor. Pharmacy is transforming, and this transformation is having a major impact on patient care and patient treatment outcomes. Pharmacists are the most accessible healthcare providers throughout the country, and we are taking on more responsibilities as our roles continue to expand. Pharma Salon and the Pharmacy Podcast Network are hosting the first RX Influencer Salon, all about trends and opportunities in healthcare led by pharmacists. The RX Influencer Salon will be a live event taking place in St. Louis on October 24th and 25th. This event will feature four key conference tasks, including compounding, business growth and alternative revenue streams, cannabis, and pharmacogenomics. Led by pharmacists, this salon offers you the opportunity to learn through conversation. You will have the opportunity to learn strategies to help you build your business, excel in your career, and expand your knowledge of the upcoming opportunities in healthcare in a way no other conference provides. Sign up today by visiting pharmasalon.com forward slash rx influencer. That's pharmasalon.com forward slash rx influencer. Pharmacists today are some of the most influential providers in healthcare. So sign up today and join us in St. Louis at the Rx Influencer Salon. listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. This is the Sex PharmD Podcast with your host, Dr. Nadia Archambault, licensed clinical pharmacist and certified sex therapist. With a focus on women's sexual health and wellness, Dr. A is here to cover important health topics and answer all of your questions about subjects that can be applied to pharmacy practice. And now, here's Dr. A. Okay. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Sex PharmD. Today, I have a very special guest, Dr. Michelle Sherman. Uh, internationally recognized HIV pharmacist, author, speaker, patient advocate, and president of MishRx Pharmacist Consulting Services, and host of Conscious Pharmacist Podcast. So she also has a podcast with Pharmacy Podcast Network. Welcome, Michelle. So great to see you. <laughs> yes, great to see you, Nadia. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I'm really excited. Yeah, and I've I've been listening to your podcast. I love the current information that you give. I think it's so important for us healthcare professionals and for patients also to stay updated on the latest uh, HIV practices, medicine, prevention, you name it. You you touch on everything. You don't miss a beat on your podcast. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, it keeps, keeps me busy. Yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, so for those of our listeners who have not listened to your podcast yet and, and don't know your background, I'd love for you to, to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. No, absolutely. So um, I'm an HIV credentialed um, pharmacist. Also, um, I'm from California. 
I'm originally South Africa, um, and I'm an advanced practice pharmacist uh, here in um, Southern California. I live in Dana Point, California, and I've been practicing in HIV for pretty close to like 30 years now. Um, as you know, the evolution of HIV um, continued, I changed my practice, became an uh, an advanced practice pharmacist and, you know, have my website, Mishorex Pharmacist Consulting Services. I also have a patient website, um, HIVthrive.com. And several years ago, started my podcast, which is part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network, um, the Conscious Pharmacist Podcast. Um, I specifically chose that name because, you know, as pharmacists and healthcare providers, we really have to be conscious in the engagement that we have with every single patient every single day, and also conscious to what's going on around us, not only like within the sphere of pharmacy, but um, socially, politically, you know, things that are happening with social justice and racial justice and all these things that are going on. And when, when we're conscious, I think we can take care of our patients better. So that's the, hence the name, the Conscious Pharmacist Podcast. So I really like to touch on, on different topics that, you know, make people, you know, think, educate people on like a lot of issues that, that, you know, we hear in the news and, you know, working a lot with LGBTQ um, issues, not only for our patients that we care for, but also LGBTQ, you know, pharmacists and technicians and people working within the, the sphere of pharmacy. Absolutely. I love that. The con- the conscious pharmacist, I love that whole meaning behind it. And it's so true. There's, there's new things happening every day. It seems, you know, new, new events that are, that are happening and it's, it is so important to be conscious of everything. So that's, that's a great way to put it. Um, as far as you know, HIV meds, I know that in pharmacy school, they touched upon it with infectious disease class. And it's always, it was kind of put up, put off because it was so much more involved with different medications. Um, I know that some of my colleagues even didn't even bother studying for it for the Netflix because it was too much for them. And this is just something that I observed. And it's for a while, it was more just specialty medication. But I feel like it's important for all pharmacists to really stay on top of what the latest medications are, especially for prevention. We see a lot of commercials now out for prep and things like that. And I think it's important to have open discussions with patients about it uh, and not just have it be something that is not talked about or I think a lot of it is also that a lot of pharmacists are afraid to talk about it because they might not um, have as good of an understanding with the medications. And when it comes to anything sex related, I know some people get a little squirmish and that's why I have this podcast too, because I think it's important to talk about, about all of these things that come up. Um, So as far as the uh, safe sex for HIV prevention, uh, what do you think are the best practices that farm as pharmacists we can educate our patients and for our patients to know? Well, that's a great question, and you know, I think as as pharmacists, as I mentioned, you know, I've been doing this work for oh my gosh, we're coming on thirty years. So I started this work right at the beginning of like the HIV pandemic, um, way back in nineteen eighty seven. Wow, you know, AZT just got approved, so we only had one drug to yeah. treat HIV at that time. And 
you know, there was a lot of stigma, you know, people were ostracized, stigmatized. Um, there were, you know, it was marked this gay disease and, you know, mm-hmm. it's a lot of like rubbish that, you know, we, we know is not true that anybody can contract HIV. You don't have to be a gay man or it, it could be anyone. You just right. have to be a human being to contract HIV. Mm-hmm. So with this evolution of HIV um, treatment and, we went from like a death sentence literally to like our patients being able to live like healthy, productive lives if they got tested, got treated and got on HIV therapy. So where we are today, like in um, 2022, um, you know, I, I just up until gosh, a few years ago, um, I used to tell all my patients that were undetectable that, you know, you can still transmit HIV to your partners. And it was really a very stressful situation um, because, you know, everybody should be able to have um, sex with whoever they want to have sex with and be comfortable in those relationships. But in the back of your mind, if you think you're HIV positive, even if you're undetectable, you can like, oh, my God, like, am I going to infect this person? Am I going to give them this virus that they're going to have right. to live with the rest of their life? Like I've had to. And it puts a lot of like stress on somebody. But what we realized was that if somebody is undetectable for, you know, six months and longer, that they actually are undetectable, that the viral loads less than 200 copies um, per mi- to milliliter of blood, they can literally not transmit the virus. So that's a huge public health initiative, first of all. A, for all my patients that are undetectable, it's a huge, like, relief. They can, like, you you know, have sex with their partners and not feel like, oh, my God, in the back of my mind, I'm going to give this person who I really care about HIV. That's not true anymore. So, you know, it's evolved over time. And then as a public health initiative, getting people tested, and if they test positive for HIV on treatment is also a huge initiative in ending the HIV epidemic. Because if we get people undetectable, we're reducing the community viral load in the communities that they live in. And we are able to you know, reduce the amount of HIV infection. So it's, it's really important that somebody living with HIV on treatment undetectable can engage in a very healthy, robust sex life. And you're right, a, a lot of our peers you know, pharmacists working in different arenas are not that comfortable, you know, talking about sex, like what kind of sexual practices do you engage in? How do you do it? Who do you do it with? And all these kind of things, which are really as an advanced practice pharmacist are questions I ask my patients every single day when I'm um, prescribing PrEP for them, giving them PEP, or even just doing like STI testing. Mm -hmm. You've got to know what their risks are for HIV acquisition and other STIs and then um, be able to, you know, have those conversations. And the more comfortable we are in talking about sexual practices with our patients, the more comfortable they are. And they'll actually tell you the information you need to know to come up with the best plan for them. So, you know, a lot of people aren't comfortable talking about it. Like you said, some people don't even want to learn about the HIV drugs. Right. So, you know, you, you it, it's something you have to practice talking to people, engaging in those conversations. And I promise you, your patients will really appreciate it. So when you're talking about PrEP and PEP and all these kind of things, you have to be 
really upfront and be able to have a very frank and open conversation about their sexual practices in an ex absolutely 100% non-judgmental way so that they'll tell you what's going on so you can come up with the best plan to keep them safe. Absolutely. I mean, it's so true. And I remember even as an intern, when I started, you know, working in retail and there'd be that one HIV med that we'd dispense, like if it, depending on what kind of pharmacy you were in, what, you know, and it was always hush hush. It wasn't, you know, and, and I agree. I think it should, it's just something that should just be incorporated in conversations. Like we talk about patients on a statin, you know, I mean, it should just be a normal conversation we're having with patients about their medications. Uh, and, you know, I remember even when we were learning about it, you know, we were saying, oh, well, we're not going to go into the specialty. We really don't have to know all the meds and things like that. But no, it, it's, it's, an, it's our profession and it is really important. And I think it is so important to have those conversations with patients and you're absolutely right. They will appreciate it. You know, they, they know that this is a judgment-free zone with in a pharmacy so they will appreciate it absolutely no absolutely and, yeah. and you know when people think oh well that's just a specialty drug or that's just a that drug you know we have to look at our patients holistically um you know i talk to patients every day and do like medrics and consultations and everything and you know some patients are have 10 different doctors. They have a urologist, a nephrologist, a cardiologist, an ID doctor, and each person's looking at the drugs that they prescribe for that particular organ. And nobody is looking at the whole patient and putting the whole puzzle together. And I think that's catastrophic. That's why we have such a terrible healthcare system, because we have to look at the whole patient. So if someone comes into your pharmacy and you dispensing statins and diabetic supplies and everything, but they are forced for whatever reason or for whatever reason have to get their HIV meds or their HIV regimen from a, a mail order pharmacy or a specialty pharmacy or they're just getting it somewhere else and you don't know about that. How do you know what all the drug-drug interactions or possible side effects they're having? You've got to know the whole picture, not only with maybe the HIV meds added to what you're dispensing, but what vitamins and supplements are they taking? Are Absolutely. they using any street drugs? If we don't know the whole picture, how can we come up with a plan? Mm -hmm. And I think it's the only way we as pharmacists can know that information is to talk to our patients, listen to them and let them tell us what's going on. Yeah. I mean, it's, it really, it's, yeah, it's a holistic approach. We have to treat the patient as a whole for sure. And I think what you were saying earlier about it, being at undetectable levels for six months consistently and not it not being transmissible, that's important for patients to know. I think there are even a lot of practitioners that didn't know that. I know it was newer to me when I was listening to your podcast recently about it. And I didn't even, I hadn't even realized that either. I hadn't studied up enough about it. You know, and, and that's really a really huge piece of information for patients. That's life-changing, you know, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's like this initiative, it's called U equals U. Undetectable is untransmittable. And it's really important for people living with HIV to know that. And then also, you know, for their partners to know that if, you know, when you're looking at sexual health and STI testing, you know, I always applaud my patients who, who come in, you know, for who are maybe on prep and they come in every three months for their um scheduled visits and STI testing. I mean, you're taking care of your sexual health and 
you know, having us test for like gonorrhea, syphilis, chlamydia, in addition to neuron prep for, for HIV, those things are, we should applaud our patients for doing that. You know, so many people are, are judging everybody. Oh, you, you've got to go for SDI testing and everything. There's such taboo around yeah. it, but it's so important because someone's actually taking care of their, their health by doing all these things. So it's really, really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Now, as far as I know, a lot of us pharmacists have heard about PrEP. As far as the the newest medications out there, what's the latest as far as, and and you can even maybe go into describe PrEP a little bit for some of our pharmacists. I know most of us probably know or should know about PrEP, um, but for those that don't, what is what are the different types of uh, HIV meds and and preventative medications out right now? So you know prep or pre-exposure prophylaxis for for HIV, like HIV prevention, is this year is actually like twelve years old. Um, twelve years ago, Truvada, the um, NNRTI, the NRTI that's approved for HIV treatment, was actually approved by the FDA for prep. That's pre-exposure prophylaxis. So that's somebody who is taking this HIV drug essentially on an ongoing basis, like every day, can um, prevent themselves from acquiring HIV. If they take it, they 99, it's 99% effective from um, you know, getting HIV if they take the meds correctly. Then um, several years later, um, Descovy, mm-hmm. the newer formulation that has tenofovir alafenamide instead of tenofovir disaproxyl, that is much more Kidney protective, much more bone protective, got approved for PrEP as well for um, cisgender males and transgender women um, for PrEP. So traditionally, it's been those two medicines, um, you know, approved by um, the prevention, uh, the CDC prevention teams, and it's it's the guidelines cover those drugs for, for PrEP in the United States. And more recently, uh, it was earlier, I think it was towards the end of last year, um, Vive Healthcare came out with the first injectable PrEP called Apritude, which is the integrase inhibitor cabotegravir. And that's a long acting injection. So somebody, instead of taking daily PrEP, they get an injection. The second month they get a follow-up injection and then they get injections. They have to come to the clinic every two months to get an injection. So that works well for some patients who maybe are not adherent to their daily pills or they can't tolerate them for some way or it's just more convenient for them. And then they come every other month. So, you know, PrEP, um, pharmacists are, I think, key healthcare providers in the provision of PrEP. I think there are 12 states now across the country that um, allow um, pharmacists to, you know, furnish PrEP or provide PrEP in one manner or another. Um, here in California, like we, we're always the leaders. Um, you know, mm-hmm. several years ago, um, Governor Newsom signed SB 159, which allows pharmacists that are trained in community pharmacies to provide <clears throat> up to 60 days of either Truvada or Descovy um, to, to patients. And then they have to be referred for or linked to a provider for ongoing prep care beyond that. So, you know, those are initiatives here in California. I'm an advanced practice pharmacist, so I work with the clinic. I work with Radiant Health Centers, which is an LGBTQ health center in Irvine. And um, I see patients every week for PrEP, PrEP initiation, PrEP follow-ups, 
um, HIV care, like rapid art, like somebody tests positive today, we can get them on treatment, HIV treatment today. And then I also see patients for <clears throat> hepatitis C. So I actually see those patients, I order all the labs, I write the prescriptions, I send the prescriptions to their pharmacies. So <laughs> there's extraordinary scope in many states of what mm. pharmacists can actually do. And I think having pharmacists be a recognized as healthcare providers nationally on a mm -hmm. national level, not just like a state by state level, things like we have in California and, you know, uh, Washington state and Nevada and Colorado, but nationally will elevate our status as healthcare providers, like globally, nationally. Mm. And then hopefully, you know, more pharmacists can provide prep and, you, you know, do these programs, which I think is essential because the uptake of prep over the last 12 years hasn't been what it should be. You know, <clears throat> most of the people that are on prep are, you know, you could generalize are probably like gay white men. And mm -hmm. the people that need it the most in, in the African-American community, women that are at risk, the transgender community don't always have access or nowhere to go to get access to, to these drugs. So pharmacists play an absolute pivotal role in access to PrEP. And then PEP, yeah. which is post-exposure prophylaxis. So within 72 hours of a perceived HIV exposure, like you have sex with someone you know is HIV positive, the condom breaks, or a sexual assault and you don't even know what the mm. – you know, HIV statuses of the perpetrator, or for whatever reason you've been exposed to HIV, if within 72 hours of that exposure you go on an HIV regimen, and there's several that are approved for PEP um, for 28 days, the seroconversion to HIV is, is very, very low. So we do PEP as well. And under SB 159 in California, uh, PEP is included in, in that bill. And I look at PEP as a medical emergency. Like when was that exposure and how quick can you get the drug to the person to take their first dose? So pharmacists are pivotal in, in the provision of PEP because we're easily accessible in California under SB 159. The patient can go to the community pharmacy and, and get access to PEP without having to navigate through an emergency room and mm. the medical system that sometimes fails a lot of our patients. Oh, absolutely. And people, I remember when, when plan B was first coming out, that was a big, you know, that was a big marker for people, for our pharmacists and to be able to talk to patients about that. So they weren't waiting or, you know, there was a lot of different scenarios. There's always different scenarios for what's happening and people are afraid mm -hmm. to ask. So it really is so important that, you know, we as pharmacists are accessible all the time to patients. I think every pharmacy should have a sign, you know, ask me about prep, ask me, you know, just so it's open and out there. And mm -hmm. hopefully more states will get on board. That's always the frustrating thing, isn't it? Where every state's different with the laws, with pharmacy laws and things like that. But a patient's getting full comprehensive care with one person. They're not jumping around from a clinic, getting blood work somewhere else, someone else is reading it. Then they go to the pharmacy to get the prescription. And it's just one person looking at everything for the patient, you know, yeah, it makes so, it easy. No, yeah. totally. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's, that's, that's really valuable information. Um, and I know that, you know, the, 
the exposure if you've been exposed to HIV and things like that. I know that had come out and I remember learning about that in school, but that's another thing where a sexual assault, maybe someone is embarrassed or feels shame and maybe they, they just can't get to an emergency room. Maybe it's very expensive for them to go, you know? So I think Mm -hmm. that's very, very important for us to be accessible in the community. I think that's fantastic that California has done that and given pharmacists that freedom. Definitely a game changer for a lot of patients. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that as far as I know you were touching upon, you know, things that happen like the condom breaks, things like that, having conversations with our patients about, about that. I know there have been different condoms that have come out, different brands that are meant more for, for example, for anal sex and things like that. And again, as you know, as pharmacists, we might be afraid to talk about things like that, but it's important to have conversations about practicing safe, safe sex also, you know, and, and being a little bit more on top of, of what's happening and new products available and things like that. No, absolutely. And, um, you know, for a lot of patients I see, you know, if somebody's on prep, you think, Oh, well, I don't have to use condoms cause I'm not going to get HIV, but you know, mm-hmm. they're always encouraged to use condoms, especially if they don't know, know the person all that well, because, HIV is not the only STI. We've got, you know, gonorrhea, chlamydia, syphilis, and um, those STIs. It's not just the STIs and not getting HIV. If you don't use condoms, you can get, you know, those other STIs, which are massively on the rise, like across the country. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're we're, you know, testing and treating people for gonorrhea and um, chlamydia and syphilis, like nearly every day so it's extremely on the rise like across the country so having those conversations about not only being on prep but also using condoms is is important and that one condom the one condom Mm -hmm. is like a great brand because um you know not only are they eco-friendly and that type of thing and like all inclusive but their condom was actually the first condom that was approved by the FDA for anal sex. You know, the the FDA, you know, they have male condoms and female condoms, so they're not really very inclusive, like gender inclusive. So, you know, the one condom, while the FDA approved it, you know, for anal sex, it's, it's like, you know, an it's called an, they call it an external condom instead of a male condom. So it's like more gender neutral and, Mm -hmm. That. So it's, you know, really good condom. They have over 60 different sizes. So, you know, it, it's not like one size on like a lot of condoms that you can get. So they, they fit people better and they more comfortable and easier, you know, for, for people to, to use. And you're right, having, when people ask about, you know, which condoms better, which lube is better as mm-hmm. pharmacists, that's our job to be able to like have those frank discussions and provide the best care and the best products for our patients. Yeah. Yeah. That I've, I've seen so much about that one condom and I think it's great. I think it, it'll help encourage more condom use because especially just with the different sizes that they offer is, is huge. Yeah. And I think they, they really have a lot of initiatives and are working with a lot of like clinics and FQHCs and things like that to be able to like provide like condoms for free to a lot of the clients Mm -hmm. and patients they see. Yeah. Now, you know, we've been talking about STIs and, and, and things like that. Now, 
and I know you've talked about this in uh, your previous podcast about monkeypox and stigmas that might be buzzing around monkeypox and what, and if you, maybe if you could talk a little bit about what you're seeing, uh, I think that'd be really helpful for our, for our listeners also. No, absolutely. So, you know, with these outbreaks of monkeypox, so, you know, as everybody's listening has probably heard, these outbreaks of of monkeypox last week, the the World Health Organization declared it a a global health emergency. And, you know, monkeypox is also a pox virus. It's like a cousin to smallpox, and it's endemic in, like, West Africa, like places like the... Democratic um, Republic of of the Congo, and they've had outbreaks, you know, over the years, and they've been very contained. But for whatever reason, I think it was back in May, somebody must have travelled to the United Kingdom and to Europe, and it began to spread. And it began to spread at some, you know, gay pride events and things like that. So while it's now spread across the globe and we have like cases in many, many states. We have quite several in California. They have cases in Florida, in uh, Mm -hmm. Massachusetts, in New York, like all over the country. And it's spreading, you know, there's the stigma again. I thought, you know, having lived through this in the eighties and all the stigma against like AIDS and HIV and being gay and all these kind of things that it's a gay disease. It seems like those, you know, sentiments that always are like bubbling under the surface just seem to be resurging, Mm -hmm. you know, in the last few weeks. And it's like absolute rubbish. It's, you know, the stigma that it's a gay disease is absolute nonsense. I mean, monkeypox is a virus that absolutely any human being can catch um, if you're exposed to it, to those bodily fluids or to somebody who has that rash. It just so happened that, you know, this virus started in Europe and then was spreading through a lot of these like gay communities because June was gay pride month, like across Mm. the globe. And there was a lot of people congregating together. So it's now become Mm. like a bit of an issue. Um, There's monkeypox, you know, in, in all these states, we have it in California and there's a vaccine that, you know, the government had, it's called Genios. It was for a smallpox vaccine. So the government's actually been stockpiling these vaccines in case there's some bioterrorism smallpox. Um, oh, I, I did not even know that. That's amazing. That's very interesting. <laughs> they're yeah. giving this vaccine to people that have, like, it's pre-exposure prophylaxis, like a prep, um, mm-hmm. for people that might have been in contact with um, somebody who you know, got monkeypox or, you know, is within that um, incubation window or whatever, but there's not enough vaccine. Mm. So I know California's ordered tens of thousands of hundreds of thousands of vaccines and there's very, very little. So it's very discriminatory. Not, I don't want to use that word, but mm. it's, the, the restrictions on who gets the vaccine are, are quite stringent, but um, that is available. So you know, actually tomorrow in Orange County, well, by the time you hear this um, yeah. <laughs> this podcast tomorrow, it won't be tomorrow, but yeah. um, June, uh, uh, July 27th, there's like actually a vaccine clinic in Orange County for, you know, people who are at risk or who have potentially been exposed to somebody with monkeypox to be able to get the vaccine. 
So, you know, so far, it's not like a deadly virus. Um, you know, it doesn't usually like kill people, but people get, you know, quite sick. They get the, the smallpox looking rash and, um, you know, can last for a few weeks. But um, as far as it being like a gay disease and all the stigma that we, we lived through in the 80s and 90s and, you know, many people with HIV and the LGBTQ community is facing even today with, you know, all the attacks that are, you know, happening like over and over and over against the LGBTQ community. Like today in 2022, mm-hmm. it is not that. Um, monkeypox is not like a gay disease. And I mean, it's just more more stigma. Every time something pops up and these pandemics pop up or a disease pops up, our society always seems to want to find a scapegoat or yes. someone to blame. Oh, that's a, this kind of disease. That's a gay disease. That's a woman's disease. That's mm-hmm. so-and-so's disease. I mean, it's or just It's affiliated true. with a country. You know, it's just, yeah. it's just one country. And, oh, it drives me crazy. I hate I hate that they were calling it, not, not they, but just people. I mean, just society was saying it was a gay disease. Mm-hmm. I was like, have we moved backwards are we back to the eighties with the HIV epidemic? Like, I don't understand what's happening. Why is this, you know, if someone were to have sexual intercourse with someone who had chicken pox, they could also get the chicken pox in general, or they could get it not having sexual intercourse with the person. It's just exactly. or COVID or any other, exactly. like the flu, disease. you know, it's like crazy. But because more, because it's a rash more so it's skin to skin contact. I mean, that's the same idea you know, with anything that's just contagious in general, that's, yeah. No, exactly, exactly. So, you know, it's a, it's a bit of back on the battlefront. Like it seems, you know, first HIV, then we had COVID, now we've got monkeypox. And mm-hmm. I don't think these are going to actually stop. I think, you know, the way the world is now, and I, I, I really um, believe that with climate change and the changes in climates like across the globe and the warming that we have here, like in the Northern Hemisphere and in, across the United States, a lot of these viruses that might've been endemic in more like tropical or subtropical like areas mm-hmm. are going to get out. And we're going to see more of these like, like globally. Um, I did a, I think I did a podcast like earlier on, like several years ago, and it was about, you know, climate change being like a health problem and like the release of all these um, different viruses like across the globe. Mm. You know, is it one day yeah. that you will be traveling across the United States and malaria will be endemic or something like that? I mean, mm-hmm. it's very, very all those possibilities. I mean, it's, yeah, it's scary at the same time. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. uh there's just always going to be something that comes out. We just, it's how we react to it is, is really what's the most Absolutely. And I think yeah. us as pharmacists, we're key healthcare providers to, you know, calm like the panic and the fear of like our patients and, you know, provide them with, you know, the facts as we know it at that time. You know, every day new things are coming out about monkeypox, like, what to treat it with, how how to diagnose it and all kinds of things. And, you know, it's not so easy when you're seeing patients coming into an SDI clinic and you're seeing things like herpes and syphilis Mm -hmm. that look similar. Mm -hmm. You've got to do the whole differential to 
you know, exclude those things and like, where have you been? What contacts have you had to, to kind of like differentiate between monkeypox? And I've, I've included it now in, you know, my assessment for all my prep patients or, or um, SDI testing patients is I ask them, you know, these symptoms of monkeypox, if they've had them within the last, you know, few weeks and mm-hmm. have they got any rashes or sores and things like that, because I think it's really important. Smart. Yeah. It's so interesting that you said, this is so true, that when the big outbreak hap- just happened to be, you know, a, lar- a large amount in the gay community during Gay Pride Month in June, I don't think a lot of people have pieced that together either because people are in big crowds. Like, I, I will bet you a lot of people never made that connection, also because it wasn't talked about. If it was a, a different a different month with different things going on where there were large, large crowds of people that could have been that month too, you know, or in, in a different community also. So it's so interesting when you think about the spread of different, different, um, you know, viruses and things like that. No, exactly. Yeah. Now, as far as, um, I love all of what you're doing with, I, I saw, you know, I've looked at your website and you have Ubuntu pharmacist care program. As far as our healthcare providers, uh, that would like to be more knowledgeable in uh, HIV um, and how to help our patients. Um, what are some of the services that you offer or any resources you would recommend for them to uh, to look up any any websites, any anything like that that would be helpful for them to educate themselves more? So definitely like the American Academy of HIV Medicine, becoming a member, you can just become a member of the organization. Um, and just pay the dues like annually or monthly. And then if you're really interested in HIV, you can work to, towards becoming credentialed in, in HIV. Um, for, for me and my, my website, I, you know, many years ago, we did like a lot of, you know, assisting pharmacies with growing their HIV business, um, marketing and things like that. But I've, I've moved everything more clinical. So it's more like, you know, as an advanced practice pharmacist, providing like clinical activities um, and clinical assessments and things like that for 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 patients. Um, so Ubuntu. So mm-hmm. Ubuntu is like an African word. It's like an African philosophy, and what it means is like what happens to me happens to you, happens to all of us, and that's the philosophy that I incorporate in my engagement with patients and other providers, like every day. So when I talk to my patient, what happens to them really matters and it affects me. Mm-hmm. And the information that I give to my patient not only affects them, but it affects their whole family, right? If I can impart information that's going to make my patient healthier, be, be able to take their meds every day, be more adherent, mitigate side effects and make their regimens simpler, they're going to be more productive. They're going to be able to take care of their own families and maybe work and not only take care of their families but their greater community so it's like almost like a philosophy of paying it forward so what happens to them and their families always comes back to affecting me because it matters so that's what the ubuntu pharmacist care program is it's like a consulting program if you will um providing this type of care but i also created the ubuntu care academy which is like an online um learning academy and i have some programs on there and 
Um, I've been really busy, so I haven't been able to expand that, but we're looking at expanding um, a lot of the courses on there and having like LGBTQ courses and, you know, things like that, that pharmacists can take and get CE. So, you know, there's an HIV um, pharmacy training course that's on there. That's like a five module thing with, I think it's five or six hours of CE. I have a prep program that's on there and a few others right now but we are expanding that. So it's like a learning academy, an online learning academy. I love it. Yeah. Part of Ubuntu, really. And the name is so amazing. I just love everything about it. It's so fun. <laughs> Thank I you. love it. I mean, you've been doing this for so long and, and, you know, I just, when people weren't doing this and I think it's just amazing. And of course we'll include everything at the, you know, with the podcast, as far as where to find, how to get in touch with you, the website, um, do you have social media, anything you'd like to share with how our viewers? Um, yeah, so can, yeah. Um, I'm on Twitter under Mishorex Consult and also under HIV Thrive. Um, and I also have a nonprofit that I didn't even mention. It's called the Center for Advanced Pharmacist Care. So it's center, the Center for Advanced Pharmacist Care.org. And that's also just to expand pharmacist care in the realm of everything we've discussed today, pharmacists as healthcare providers being actually able to provide care to patients beyond like what's in the pill bottle. So that when they get that pill bottle at the counter, they fully understand what they're dealing with, how to take their meds, and they like educated on, on their regimens and trying to help them do whatever we can to have them on less meds, not more. So LinkedIn yeah. um, under Michelle Sherman, also Twitter, and then um, just Instagram under Conscious Pharmacist. Yes, and of course your podcast on pharmacy. And podcast the podcast, network. of course, <laughs> the Conscious Pharmacist podcast on yes. iTunes and Spotify and the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Yes. Well, I always like to end with my top three. So, what are the top three takeaways you'd like our our listeners to? have gotten from this from this today so the, the top three number one you know if, if you are, are seeing patients in your community that you know require prep and pep and hiv care and sti testing get comfortable talking about sex mm -hmm. it's not a taboo it's nothing to be ashamed of get comfortable talking about sex um, learn as much as you can about prep and pep and um, HIV meds and HIV care and then also the third thing is see what what are the requirements in your state what does your state do to recognize pharmacists as healthcare providers and what additional services can you as a pharmacist provide in your state is it a collaborative practice agreement can you furnish prep and pep in your state can you furnish birth control in your state what what activities can you as a pharmacist do as a healthcare provider in your state. And the fourth thing I'll give you four <laughs> is, rem <laughs> is remember you can, you, you can do these things. You know, I think we get so bogged down in our day to day and the drama of reimbursement and insurance companies and fighting for our patients for everything where as we can make a change to every single patient we come in contact with you know we don't have to save the whole world but making a difference each day to just one patient 
mm-hmm. is like everything to that patient. So, you know, always in my podcast off with, you know, remember you are the change instead of be the change. I, everybody who's listening today, you can do it. That's so beautiful. I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This has been such an honor to have you. I know you're very busy, so I really appreciate you taking the time out. And hopefully our listeners will gain something from this and and do some of your trainings also. That'll be fantastic. No, absolutely. Well, thanks. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Thank you.